Welcome back to Opa Podcast, episode 55. Today, uh, only three hosts, myself, along with... Griffin. And Wyatt. And today, we're going to have a usual episode, no two-parters today, uh, to recap the home game against Rutgers last weekend, but also preview our next game against Nebraska, which will be in Lincoln, and along with any other takes from the NFL or hot takes. So going on from there, boys... So our Golden Gophers, just to recap, defeated Rutgers 31-0, to our first Big Ten shutout since, crap, um, I don't know when. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Like, is it early 2000s, maybe 90s? I don't remember. Griffin, do you know? <laughs> long time. Very long time. Uh, against obviously with this case PJ going against his mentor uh, who coached with him at Rutgers and at Tampa Bay, uh, Greg Schiano. Um, so we'll start uh, going to some segments of the game here. Uh, so Soup is absent tonight, but he does have some notes. So overall, let's go with overall reactions. So from Soup's end, guys, he says we didn't learn anything new really on the offense. Glad to see defense look better and pass rush is still an issue. Uh, going to need more aggressive uh, in situations down the line if you want to beat better teams, but no offense. Uh, that's it from Soup's overall take, like, short and sweet. How about you guys? How do you guys feel I, about the game? I very much agree with Soup. It doesn't, it doesn't look like we've learned anything new for our offense. It looks like it's just the rest of the season is give the ball to Mo and pray. And, you know, it's... I get it. Tanner's not going going pro. Tanner's not. We're not looking to win the Big Ten West this year. So, yeah, maybe you're just going to continue to feed Mo the ball, give him the best chance he has to rack up numbers and maybe make, take a shot at the NFL. But, I mean, at, at some point, you got to try something. At some point, you've got to get creative and try to make use of – you know, your quarterback and your wide receivers to get them into a position where they're going to be able to do it next season. Because Moe's not going to be here forever. Tanner's not going to be here forever. It's going to be eighth in next year, we assume, at leading a, a not talentless squad of wide receivers. We know that there's some talent there. And we know that there's talent at the tight end position and I mean, we're getting we're gonna have pots. That's that's a plus, but pots isn't gonna do it all like Mo has. We gotta get start getting creative and trying new things. Up. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And part of me thinks like if we, the optimist in me wants to say that we're still learn, we're we were learning things, but it wasn't for this game. Um. Because as we kind of talked about last week, this was like the get right game. I think we got right back into the win column, but we didn't get right in the offensive um, side of the ball that we've been struggling with. It's just, it blows my mind how like 2019 Kirk put up those numbers and made Tanner look so good um, in the schemes there. Right? For some reason, I see her. Not even just 2019, Kirk. The, like the first three, four games of this season, Kirk made Tanner look like the quarterback we saw in 2019. And then, you know, Purdue hit, 
and we haven't been the same offense since. No. So, part of me just wants to wait till next week against Nebraska and see, like, are is there stuff we're going to try new? Because this whole game was, okay, we're up 14 this entire time. Um, if they score, then maybe we'll have to think about doing something creative. But if we can just hold on to this and continue to feed the ball to Mo, then um, then that's what that's just what we're going to do because we don't want to try too hard to win this game is kind of what it felt like. Yeah, I think for me, um, I agree with Soup here. Like, we didn't learn anything new. Like you said, Griffin, it was like it was our get right game. I thought, here's what I thought. So, our first two possessions of the game, where we scored 14 points in the first half, and Rutgers scored nothing. Obviously, they they scored nothing the entire game, but that was pure Kirk Shiraka, PJ Fleck offense. Like we ran the ball down Rutgers' throats. Um, Tanner was making efficient throws to the receiving core, either it be to Mike Brown Stevens, Daniel Jackson, Brevin Spanford, or the check down to either I think it was Bryce Moe or Trey. Um in like near that cushion area between the linebackers and the offensive line. Uh I thought that was like the perfect like offensive performance in the first two play uh, first two drives. And then between like the third, like in the third quarter and part of the fourth quarter, I was like, "What the hell are we doing?" <laughs> like this is the same stuff that we try to pull against what Purdue, Illinois, and um, damn it, I'm forgetting the third team that we lost. Penn to. State. Penn State. I'm like, we're getting, we're being very vanilla on offense. Um. I'm not, I don't know if that's what they want to do against Rutgers because they're that really talent efficient overall. But I was like, okay, we can win a game like that this way against Rutgers. But if we're playing up, like, I think I have to agree with Soup. He has notes here that says if we're trying to play against an Iowa or Wisconsin, like rivalry games where being aggressive and, you know, trying to take things from the throat, like against those two teams matters to us to win. I did not see that this game and and Soup is in agreement with me on that. Like we did not see that this game. Nothing new. Very conservative play calling uh throughout the rest of this game. And I was I was disappointed. I was like I stopped if I'm being honest, I stopped watching the third quarter. Like I had stuff to do. And then when I popped back for the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, we still haven't scored yet. No one did. And then all of a sudden we pop off 17 points in the fourth. Um, so I was just a mix, like same old, I'd say 2020 and 2021 style offense uh, a little bit and not much for in terms of like efficient Tanner in terms of passing. Um, if I, I'll, do, I'll, I'll segue that into actually some notes from soup. So if you guys, okay, we'll touch on the offense first. Uh, so, so from soup. Run blocking, still good. Obviously. Mo got his yeah. yards and even Bryce and Trey got some stuff in there too. Some big like big runs in there. Um pass blocking still bad amongst the offensive line. Um Daniel Jackson uh did well actually this game against man coverage, which was nice. Um regarding soup's notes on Mohammed Ibrahim. Please retire number 24 after this season. 
Panthers forever. Yep. Uh, back to the offensive line. Uh, Quinn Carroll isn't playing well. I think he's at right tackle uh, for the team. Um, Brevin Spanford should be involved er- early in the passing game. Uh, they're using him too much to uh, to chip and assist the uh, offensive tackles um, and stuff like that. And then also be more aggressive. That's it for offense. What do you guys think on that? They didn't have to be aggressive against the Rutgers team that is just not ready. And so I get it, but at a certain point, you gotta make some efforts. Like if you're not trying it against the teams that you can beat, you're you're gonna be going in blind against teams that are gonna be tougher. Like, what if we played Michigan this week instead of Nebraska? We wouldn't be ready to throw the football if we needed to. Oh yeah. There's there's no chance. There's no shot. You're not gonna like we have a very traditional Big Ten offense, but you're not beating Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State with an offense that's so traditional. You can win in the West. And I think Illinois is a pretty good example of being able to win in the West with great running back and, you know, passing that just kind of gets by. But you're not going to win once you get to that very talented top end of the East. And that's a problem if we want to be a team that's competing for the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. And I do want to clarify. Sorry if I'm butchering your notes here, Soup. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. Uh, he says uh, he understands the lack of aggression this game. Like, that is who PJ is. Um, but we got to be very mindful moving forward, as you mentioned, Wyatt, because, like, again, we won't, won't cut it against teams like in the that we play against Wisconsin, Iowa, even in this case, Nebraska, because, like, they're on the losing skid and they're trying to get out of their funk. So got to be very mindful of that. I, I know Nebraska has traditionally been a bit of a shootout every time mm-hmm. that we play them. So... Hopefully we're ready for that. If we're not, we're in trouble. We shouldn't be going into Nebraska and taking the win for granted. We got to go in there and we got to show them we are here to win football games. I think for in terms of our offense, if we can take like our first drive of the game that we scored on, where we go. Um, 99 yards on 19 plays, right? What made that drive successful? Diversity in the play calling. Run, pass, run. Oh, Tanner's running with his legs. Oh, we're going to go back to the run. You just mix in all of these. Sure, it's, there were seemed like bland play calls, but you're at least switching it up, right? And then that's where you can expand and do like, okay, instead of you know, um, a couple of shallow crossers, we can have one receiver go high, one receiver go low, and just start mixing up um, patterns to confuse the defense. So I think as long as, like, we just need to build off of that one drive that where we went 19 plays for 99 yards, took 10 minutes off the clock, just get more um, 
just get better on the play calling and um, try to develop better routes. 19 plays for 99 yards doesn't bother me at all because that makes a defense tired. If they're on the field for 10 minutes, they're going to be exhausted when they have to count, walk back out in three. Yeah, They're not going to be able to – that's not sustainable for a defense. You can't play 10-minute drive, 10-minute drive, 10-minute drive. You got to get off the field quick. So if we can make teams do that, we can win football games by being, you know, relatively slow but relatively efficient. And the problem much, is not we, doing that against better teams. And we pretty much took out like we like we ended the first score scores because the Gophers were still like on the march on that still that first drive, and then we score like with the, like maybe a minute or two in the second into the second already. Like that is the kind of offense that I'm all for. Like again, efficiency. Like get back to that, and then uh, and I and I and I get it. Um, going on from there, uh, I, I I'm agreeing with Soup here. I kind of want to see Brevin involved early because even on the broadcast, the Big Ten announcers were like, you know, he's our top le- uh, he's our top receiver right now. Receiver right now, he doesn't have 400 yards on the season. Yeah, we could. Easily end this season with nobody hitting 700 yards. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Easily. And that's, you just can't sustain it in the modern game. I know we're a very traditional Big Ten school. We have one of the highest run percentages in the country um, behind the military academies. And you just, we, can't keep doing that if we want to win the Big Ten. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's what I ha- That's all I have on offense. You guys got anything else for that performance last week? All right, moving on to other notes here. Um, I think defense is going to be a short one. Um, I, uh, I I'm agreeing with Sue. Very much better performance from the defensive side of the ball. Um, also, some shout-outs to Tyler Newbin. I was gonna say, how about that Tyler Newbin kid? I know, right? Um, very solid game. A, actually, amazing game against Rutgers. Even got, I think, a pick. Two. Two, two picks. Thanks, Griff. Uh, two Bears picks in the game. Fire. Player of the week. Yeah, the Big Ten Player of the Week, the Defensive Player of the Week. There you go. Uh, Senior Bowl Defensive Player of the Week. So, nice. uh, big big deal. That Tyler Newbin looked as good as he did. He did. As he enters, as he's in the midst of his last season. And then also, uh, Justin Wally had a good game too. So essentially, great, great game into, for our defensive backs. Um, but uh, as Sue mentioned earlier in his summary uh, and overall feelings, uh, Patrick still is not getting home. Like they look better this last game, but uh, needs to step up more. And he really wants to see uh, Ja Joyner get more reps in, in the game or into the lineup, too. That's his notes. The pass rush was very hot when the season started. And they cooled off real And it, it'd be real nice to see them getting back to the quarterback. Because, you know, it's going to help us win football games if we can hit a quarterback. And I think our line play on both sides of the ball is is 
pretty suspect, particularly in the passing game. Because we can, you know, we can block for Mo. We can stop a running back relatively quickly, save for, you know, a couple of times. But in the pass game, we just can't get there. And if you're not pressuring the opposing quarterback when they're trying to throw the ball, that ball is going to come out much cleaner and it's going to make things much more difficult for our defensive backs. Yeah, and also I will want to note that it leaves a situation where Joe Rossi has to call up like a safety blitz, a linebacker blitz, you know, bring a guy, more guys into the box to try to get pre- to generate that kind of pressure. And you know, I just think of with this, with that kind of situation, like what happened with Purdue, Illinois, and Penn State, like we we dial up the pressure, and those quarterbacks still able to like have a like have that like half second extra time to still sling it and make an amazing pass to their receivers or their checkdowns. So, um, still not getting home even with blitzes uh, in some cases for me. Griffin, how about you on defense? I mean, I agree with Soup. There's the Jad Joiner. I think he had two fumble recoveries um, in the game. Uh, it's obviously nice to see. Um, but, I mean, there wasn't really much of a test um, on defense for the Gophers. So, I mean, obviously, uh, Newbin doing his thing, Wally doing his thing. But it's just hard to see how the other players have developed when they're not necessarily getting. Um, the quality reps that they might need. I think uh, Winstead only had like seven completions or I don't think he even hit 10. So it's like, how can you accurately judge some of their performance when they're not getting quality reps? So Nebraska will be a better indicator of how far they've come, but for sure. But going on from there, last segment, uh, special teams, uh, sorry, we got to dig into this group here, Wyatt, a little bit. Um, Soup says, rough day. <laughs> uh, particularly with some of the uh, punts that they didn't field but, uh, that have become touchbacks, particularly like the Gunners missing two short punts to keep it in like between the uh, zero and 20-yard lines. And also... and backing them too far to risk a turnover getting them points into the half. I hope I made sense of that. <laughs> I We know I'm the special teams guy on this podcast. Um <laughs> and the special teams hasn't I haven't had much to complain about this season. Um There's there's some things to worry about after that game and uh you hope they get cleaned up this week you hope it was just a fluke but uh we might see we might see me on my special teams rant if they don't come out of nebraska with a clean ball game (laughs) oh i'm gonna be there and i'm gonna be yelling (laughs) i will also want to know i think don't we have? Uh, didn't we? Uh, Rutgers has like, has like the best punter in the conference too. They better, because like seeing him <laughs> punt, I was like, I wish we had him. <laughs> it's about the only way 
that Rutgers has any success on the field is their punter. <laughs> Literally. Um, besides that, special teams, I, I do want to know, uh, Matt played a good game too. Like, again, he was one for one in his field goals. Um, perfect for extra points as well. I think that's still solid. Like, he's still making the kicks we need him to make. Um, I, I, I think for me, I'm just a little sus on the punting. And then some of the calling, the, like the, not play combo, like the situ the situations that PJ and Rob, Rob Wenger decided when we make uh, any type of plays on either be we're returning the punt or we're punting away. So I I don't know. I I'm I'm, I'm I'm I don't know what to feel about special teams right now. I'm like, come on, guys. We just need guys. We just like provides my statement with an open letter to Matt. Trump. All right, um, <laughs> Matt. I love you. Never change. Signed, Ope, a podcast. We love you, Matt. That'll be all. Matt Trickett is just, you know, making me so happy this season. Not missing kicks is big. Yeah. Maybe right. Greg should learn. <laughs> I think that's for. I think Greg Joseph from the Vikings has missed like eight kicks, including extra points and field goals this season. <laughs> but cool, cool. But um, what guys want to call that a wrap for Rutgers? Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, gentlemen, moving on. Um, we have four more games left in this season. That's <laughs> that's hard to believe for four weeks left into the season. Uh, we're going to be away in Lincoln, Nebraska. Going against the Nebraska Corn Huskers, who is uh, no longer coached, as we talked before, by Scott Frost. He got canned earlier this season. Uh, Mickey Joseph is their head coach, the interim. Uh, also of Husker fame as well, right, Griffin? He used to be a talented player for him back, back in the day. Uh, I believe Mickey was, yes. And then he is um, related to Vance Joseph. Oh, the coach uh, for Arizona's defensive coordinator, I believe. Okay. So or head um, coach of the Denver Broncos. Yes. Yeah, that too. Uh so some quick notes about this game, boys. So the Huskers are currently three and five overall, two and three in conference play, tied with us uh in conference with the Gophs. As for some stuff, uh ESPN's FPI is favoring the Gophers 77.2% to Nebraska's 22.8% for this game. Uh, so ESPN is heavily favoring the Gophers, including Vegas. So Vegas, even though we're going to Memorial Stadium, is favoring the Gophers minus 16 and a half. No, minus 16 for the spread over under at 46 and a half uh, for this game. I don't like that. <laughs> I knew. I knew. You I don't like. I don't like those numbers. Those yeah. are bad numbers. Yeah, but um, going on from there, uh, to quickly know about what how how uh Nebraska is again. They're two and three in conference play. Uh, they beat Indiana, uh, Indiana thirty five to twenty one. They beat Rutgers fourteen to thirteen. Um, earlier in the season, but then they uh drop losses to uh. Purdue, um, Illinois, and Northwestern when they're in Ireland earlier this year for uh, the week zero 
matchup. Um, outside of that, uh, Casey Thompson, their starting quarterback, is hurt. He got hurt against Illinois. I think it was an elbow arm injury. Um, and they've been uh, starting their backups. or They put in their backups Logan Smothers and Chubba Purdy. I think that's how you pronounce their names. Uh, who didn't had a very bad game against Illinois. Um, right now, Casey Thompson's day by day. So we don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, and then I really don't know about the rest of their team. Like uh, Mickey Joseph also fired their defensive coordinator early this season as well. Um, I just don't know what to make of this Cornhusker team, honestly. Let's just go back to Illinois. I think they're just, they might win the Big Ten West just by injuring quarterbacks. True. I think that's that's their goal. They're like, let's just injure quarterbacks and then maybe we'll just rise to the top. No, but yeah, I don't know what to say about the Cornhuskers either. They're, they seem to like the, the weeks following the firing, they looked terrible. But now I feel like they're trying to find their groove. And they were getting in a little bit of a groove for a couple games, but I just, especially with a couple of backups, um, this is going to come down to the better defense which heavily favors the gophers um yeah this I just, to, just to run through some of the stats here griffin um nebraska's defense has allowed 458.6 yards a game versus our 240 275 and then our offices are actually pretty similar about 400 uh, we were at 421 yards per game versus their 402 uh, if there's a trade-off is that we average more rush yards per game than uh while them is mainly passing because Casey Thompson's trying to, you know, keep his eyes downfield and try to make a play and keep the game alive. So um some quick stats on that. But yeah, they haven't looked hot and I and I feel like Nebraska has to get to the point where they have to win a game because they finally figured their ish out. And I just hope it's not against the Gophers. <laughs> Or if they do, our defense is just going to stomp their foot on the offense and somehow keep us in the game while our offense struggles. Hopefully not, but I don't know. I'm being pessimistic about this game right now. <laughs> I mean, I see where the pessimism comes in. I just don't think the, the Cornhuskers have faced a defense um, as strong as the Gophers all year yet, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they put up some more points. That could change. Um, and that's another game where I could see, you know, the Gophers might come out to another two possession lead and just try and coast, just try and coast the rest of the game until Nebraska makes it a game. So, um, I guess we'll see what happens. What were you, Wyatt? I, I tend to like all of that analysis here. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that Nebraska hasn't played any good defense because I do think Illinois' defense is stronger than it's getting credit for. Um, but you know, I think our defense is also very good. I I think this is gonna you know be kind of an ugly football game, but that's sort of what we want to light a fire under under our asses. Um, we want to be put into positions where we're going to have to throw the ball to, you know, keep the win alive.
Thompson reminds me if if he plays, he kind of reminds me of Graham Mertz as he's kind of a pick machine. He does seem to throw a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. So if we compare or if we if he goes against Newbin and Wally, uh, I can almost guarantee one of them. I'd put money down on one of them is going to have an interception this game. Oh, for sure. So, uh, like if if Thompson's starting and he's healthy, um, I'm gonna see. I, I'm I'm gonna look forward to seeing uh just uh Wally, Newbin, and even maybe Howden. Like the defensive backs just pin their ears back, go man to man, on the uh receivers for Nebraska and just like take advantage of his gunslinger mentality that he does and has been risky and caused I think a lot of interceptions so far uh, this into this season so I'm I'm anticipating him being risky with the ball <laughs> this game uh, but outside of that um, you guys want to hit some key pieces of the game then I think some of the game the key pieces that we want to win the game has rolled over from our like recap of Rutgers is that we want to be more dynamic on the offense. I would be changing the plays up, being very efficient, try not to be so conservative and stale or stuff like that. So I think that might be good for this game as well, because, you know, we don't know what the Nebraska might throw at us and I'd rather us be more explosive and dynamic more than anything as we move on and keep going with the remainder four games of the season. What do you guys think? Well, I think our key points start with um, defending Trey Palmer um, of Nebraska. He is a very good wide receiver that has progressed very well over the last couple years. And if we do not cover him, we are going to have a tough day. Um, um, Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico State University is also solid, um, steady receiver for him. But our personnel match up just fine covering them. But if we do not cover them, we could have a bad day. So uh, DB play, I think, will be huge here. And honestly, just getting to the quarterback as well, depending on who starts, um, doesn't matter who's going to start as long. I feel as long as we um, hit QB hits, um, make them hurry, pressure, there's just not a whole lot they're going to be able to do. So defensive line and DB play, I think, are going to be the biggest things uh, for us on the defensive side of the ball. How are you, Wyatt? I I would like to see some creativity and ingenuity on offense, but I don't think I'm going to get that. So what I'm going to ask for instead is more drives like the 19-play 99-yarder because, you know, control the pace and you control the game. And especially in a, in a uh, rivalry that has a history of shootouts, um, I don't think this Gopher team is equipped for a shootout. We gotta, we gotta win a game that's played at our pace, at our tempo. So controlling pace on offense, the key. Getting off the field on defense is gonna be key. We gotta do those things well. For sure. I don't. 
pass for Wyatt uh, to just throw one little trick play in that 19 for 99 yard kind of drive. So I think if they throw in one of those, we can uh, go to go to sleep happy. I could go to sleep happy on that. Was it the Rutgers game? I forgot which drive it was where um, Mo took the direct snap uh, for Wildcat. I don't remember. Was that one of the drives against Rutgers? Or am I remembering I, wrong? I don't remember, but I know that if we're all watching the Vikings game this weekend, um, how Kirk faked a handoff and then pitched it out to Dalvin, and he just had a bunch of green turf in front of him. Uh, can we do a little bit of that with Mo? <laughs> Not an. I would, I would love to see a uh, Christian McCaffrey style touchdown pass by Mo. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay, <laughs> but, but I, I know I'm dreaming big here, but but I think the Lelise pitch it to him. I'll take it. All right, so going on from there, boys, uh, let's get into predictions then. Um, so quickly recap, uh, last week, boys, we all said dubs for Rutgers. So we're not we're 1-0 in that season, so improving all the rounds is 7-1 in his personal records. While you and I are tied at 5-3. and Griffin, you're now at 500 at 4-4. Four and four. Soup is at 3-1. and one. Um, So let's get on to Rutgers. So we all said dubs. Uh, but I'm gonna say for my score prediction, even though I I, I was I, I sound like the pessimist, I still think the Gophers are gonna win by double digits. We're gonna win thirty-one to ten. Thirty-one to ten against Nebraska. Okay. Yep. Who wants to take the next prediction? <laughs> I'll go next. Let me just uh, check the Gophers here. They're five and three against the spread. Uh, we got spreaded minus sixteen. You know what? Let's go. I was kind of in the range that you were at, Jason, but yeah. I'm just gonna bump up Nebraska's score to seventeen. So we'll go thirty-one seventeen. All right, all right. I just don't think the difference can be that much. I'm going to sit a little more comfortably than that. I like the Gophers, but I like them at a 24 to 14 final score. All right. Cool, cool. And it's 11 a.m. kickoff this Saturday, too. So we're all, uh, Wyatt, have a nice trip. Cheer on our Golden Gophers down there. And uh, if you need to be pissed at special teams, do so. <laughs> I, I will be raging at special teams, probably. <laughs> Cool, cool. All right, so all the time. <laughs> Go big red. Go <laughs> uh, da 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 da. <laughs> okay, sorry for that. All right, um, moving on, gentlemen. Um, I actually want to touch on this topic. So today was the NFL trade deadline. And... Um. Oh, sorry. I hate to jump jump over you here. But uh, we've got breaking college football news. Oh, what's that? Uh, the first college football playoff rankings have been released for the year, and these are big. Ooh, hang on. Let me pull up the list. You want to talk about that? I got the list right here. Uh, at number one, the Tennessee Volunteers. Ooh, I like that. Uh, two will be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Then three is Georgia, the Bulldogs. 
dogs. And four is the Clemson Tigers with Michigan Wolverines at five and Alabama Crimson Tide at six. Wait a minute. Clemson's at four? Clemson is at four. Clemson is still undefeated. So it does not surprise me that they're at four. Hmm. I would have flipped but that, Michigan's that's five, a right? Big deal. Yeah, Michigan's five. I would have flipped I would have put Michigan in as well. But I understand why the committee's putting Clemson in, because they anticipate that Michigan will be losing to Ohio State. Oh. <laughs> and then Bama's at six, obviously. Bama's at six. Is that all the rankings so far for the CFP? That, those are the those are like the important ones. They have twenty five, but yeah, it's Where, where's the Illini at? I will take a quick look. Or are they on the list? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up the full <laughs> rankings here. So again, Griffin. Illinois is definitely at seven. You know, there's obviously no debate there. <laughs> Illinois is at sixteen. Okay. Huh. Uh, other Big Ten teams on this list are Penn State at 15. Okay. Um, that appears to be it. So Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then the lone team in the West, Illinois. Okay. Pretty fitting. Okay. Um, TCU, the only undefeated team outside of the top six. Uh, at seven. Oh, all right. All right. All right. I, I'm still. I, I don't know why. When you read out the top ten there, Wyatt, I'm still have qualms with Clemson <laughs> and Michigan. That's just me, but. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's fair. But uh, yeah. I love Tennessee at one. I love that. That's a big deal for a program that's had a lot of trouble in recent years getting it all together. I know. And they finally beat Alabama at home, and their fans threw their goalposts into the river. (laughs) And this week, they play Georgia in what is a 1-3 showdown in college football playoff rankings. But if you look at the AP rankings, it's the 1-2 showdown. Ooh, spicy. Georgia is heavily favored right now, but I don't know. Something about them falls. What do you it's think, spook- It's spooky season. That orange is going to scare them. <laughs> like what? It's that Herndon Hooker kid. That's that's what it is about them falls. That kid can throw the hell out of a football. He sure can. <laughs> <laughs> but cool the CFP ratings uh, rankings are out but it's going to be interesting coming up with especially with Tennessee and Georgia coming up and obviously one of them's not going to survive yeah. one of them's falling out of the top four I think yeah for sure alright so thanks for that news Wyatt worthy of breaking news so uh, back to NFL Back to NFL. Well, I think it's which one do you want to talk about? Oh, I... <laughs> we're going to that rival to the east. 
because they cannot get a receiver to save their <laughs> whether they want their lives saved or not. Uh, they can't even get much buzz on Cooks. Couldn't get Ridley. They couldn't get nobody. Aaron Rodgers is just a grumpy old man. He's going to stay that way. Uh, Chase Claypool got traded out of Pittsburgh to oh, who was it? Um, the Bears. Oh, yeah, the Bears. In fact, Green Bay was the favorite to land Chase Claypool at the beginning of the day, and the Bears swept in and stole him from him. Literally, yeah. Justin Fields needs a guy. This is to me. This feels like a way of gauging what Fields is going to be capable of. Because now he's got not just Darnell Mooney and then, you know, Byron Pringle. He's got Darnell Mooney and he's got Chase Claypool to burn him. Yeah. So you're going to see what he can do hucking the living fuck out of the football. And maybe, maybe we see if Fields is the future in Chicago, actually. I, I wonder if Soup and the Rounds are happy about this trade for Claypool. It's a good thing that neither of the Chicago Bears fans <laughs> that are podcast hosts are on this week. But I wonder if they're mad, too, because the Bears traded away Rokon Smith and Robert Quinn to Baltimore and the Eagles, respectively, for, in this case, Robert Quinn was a 2023 fourth-round pick, and for Rokon Smith, they got A.J. Klein along with a 2023 second rounder and a 2023 second rounder was what they ultimately used to acquire Chase Claypool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody's mad about Roquan getting shipped out because Roquan yeah. wanted a massive payday. Yeah. And he just he wasn't gonna get it in Chicago. They had sort of it trade or talks were sort of off, um, and like I think it hurts to see a guy that talented go, but I think Chicago gets that 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 he wasn't gonna stay. Yeah. Um, and you know Quinn's old. He Quinn's is. getting up yeah. there, and he needs he needs to go out and he needs to win. And, and he, he got traded to a great situation to do it. Philadelphia Eagles are one of the best teams in this league right now. Because what he got what 18, 18 and a half sacks last season, but then he hasn't registered any this season. I think for Robert Quinn, like I know some Bears have been not be happy about those two trades, but like at least Roquan and Robert are going to a better spot with two teams that can utilize their talents, especially for the Eagles, like. You know, I think at this point, death is going to be the concerns because they got some guys that's on that's injured right now, going on and off the injury report. So I think they're going to be needed, especially if they really want to get in. Like they're undefeated right now. Like they're, I think they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. So that by having more guys to load up on the roster, like I think they're going to be set to make their run in the playoffs and hopefully a Super Bowl for them again. Uh, you know, I think the Bears fans are going to be devastated for the team, but I think they're looking at these trades and saying, these are guys you wanted to see succeed. They're going off to places that we can see them succeed. And they can, you know, take a little solace in the fact that Quinn's put set up for a potential Super Bowl run. Uh, they don't have to just shell out money for Roquan. 
Yep. Which the Ravens also won't do, I don't think. The Ravens gave up a lot to maybe not get Roquan back. Yeah. But uh but since three of us here are Minnesota Vikings fans, I do have to mention the Vikings made a trade today. <laughs> we walked away, gentlemen, with in division with the Detroit Lions. We received tight end TJ Hawkinson, the former eighth pick in the first round back in, I think, 2019, 2020 draft, um, along with a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick. In, re- in, in return, we gave him our second round pick in 2023. So essentially, we're moving back two rounds and then also giving him a third round pick in 2024. So essentially, we're just trading back in the draft for 2023 and in 2024. And we still land TJ Hawkinson on his rookie deal. He's, he has a, five, a 500K cap hit for this season. Um, and then uh, the Lions also uh, initiated or took uh, on his fifth-year option. So that's only a $9 million cap hit for next year as well on the Vikings. Um, and potentially, he's still young. He's 25. He's our age. <laughs> Uh, or a little younger than us so he still has a lot left in him and i'm excited because earth smith is now out for potentially right now the the forecast is uh, the per i think adam Schefter or ian rapport said eight to ten weeks with a high Herb smith rate. is officially on ir okay he's on ir now so so at yeah. minimum he won't return for four weeks but i think the eight to ten timeline is more realistic so he Probably wouldn't be back until just about time to kick it into gear for the playoffs. And this is a team that's looking to be the one that wins the NFC North. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Griffin? How do you feel about this trade? He may have been a Hawkeye, but I will welcome him to the Vikings with open arms. <laughs> um, but, like, I just I think about as a player, too, is – that man went to bed one and six and he woke up six and one. <laughs> like how, like what an odd feeling to experience as a player where you're like, Oh, now I'm with some winners, you know? Uh, but I mean, it's a tremendous value. Like his, uh, just his talent, uh, the position that we need to fill the money that it hits against our cap. Like I felt like all those pieces are just like perfect. Um, it's also the fact that if you look back to when Kirk first got here, we had Kyle Rudolph was still on the roster. It was mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph, and then it was Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And, you know, he threw, his, he'd throw the ball to Stephon. He'd throw the ball to Adam. But Kyle Rudolph was sort of a security blanket, He li- and he likes his tight ends. He always has. Uh, but he hasn't had a guy that he could really trust to throw the ball to. Herb Smith is drop prone. Uh, Johnny Munt is more of a blocker, to to be frank. So he's getting a guy where it might take just a little bit to build up that chemistry, but TJ Hawkinson's a guy who can take on six, seven, eight targets a game, relieve some pressure from Jets, relieve some pressure from Thielen, maybe make some room for KJ Osborne. Hawkinson's going to be a threat and teams are going to know it and it's really going to change how this offense looks in a positive way. Yeah, I, I love what TJ brings talent with, as you guys said. Like, he's a, 
an ad try to play. Sorry about that <laughs> for our audience. But I'm excited because he brings a lot to the table. Like he is a talent. He's a great blocker. That was like a ding against him during the draft process. Like he may need more polishing on the blocking set, but he's a great blocker. Um, he's a great receiver. Like I was watching the, re- the some of the clips he played from last week's game against um who they who did the Lions play last week? Uh, I'm forgetting who, but like literally, TJ like was running guys over while they're trying to tackle him as he got got yak on as well. Um, so I'm excited that we have TJ Hawkinson, uh, give Kirk a security blanket and the dude is six five and he's huge. Like I'm excited to see him on the team. Yes, former Hawkeye. I hate that so much. But other than that, uh, I'm excited that, you know, I was I was like hoping for something to happen at the trade deadline for the Vikings. And Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, our first year general manager, pulled off a really great trade, especially in division and for the draft picks that we sent away and got back as well. Like, if I have I think about it, I don't think Rick Spielman would would have done this back <laughs> if he was still uh still our GM. But other than that, I'm I'm excited. A great trade again. Deadline ended today. No more trades for the rest of the season. But like, what a great move by our team. Y'all keep talking about him as an Iowa Hawkeye, and <laughs> you know I. There are a lot of there are a lot of positions where I would look at that and see a problem. But uh, right now, I'm seeing a tight end out of tight end U, uh, and I'm thrilled about it. But other than that, um, outside of the Vikings, let's see. Uh, Calvin Ridley, who's currently suspended indefinitely, got traded. Uh, Nick, was it, is it uh, Bradley Chubb out of the Broncos got traded away to Bradley Miami. Chubb got traded for Chase Edmonds, a guy the the Dolphins paid a lot of money to come in and be the guy. And then he just wasn't the guy. Um, is there any uh, anything else big in this um, trade deadline am I missing? I know there is. Uh, Jeff Wilson got traded out of San Francisco over to Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Brandon Cooks ultimately got moved. No, he did not. Uh, he is, which is very which is on Twitter. <laughs> a devastating turn of events for the for the Texans and for Cooks. Oh, the Colts traded uh, Naheem what? Hines to the Bills as well, who was uh, starting in place of Jonathan Taylor for the Colts recently. Which is tragic for my fantasy team and reminds me I got to make a move real quick. <laughs> So I don't think that's going to bode well for Devin Singletary's numbers. <laughs> nope. But other than that, this is what this was an, an insane trade deadline. Like I know they always have been, but like, damn, I didn't expect things to go this crazy uh, for the 2022 season. <laughs> I don't think anybody did. Yeah. And that's that's part of what makes it so interesting. Um, on other news, uh, mentioned some former golfers, actually, uh, golfers in the pros. Um, Rashad Bateman is unfortunately out for a few games uh, due to a foot injury over at the Ravens. Um, Daniel Falele hasn't been in the starting lineup in a while. I think Antoine is still good to go with um, 
Tampa Bay. Coquif has been mainly involved with blocking uh, for the offense uh, with that uh, Tampa Bay offense and being on special teams. Um, but I think Blake Cashman is still with the Texans. I know Ty got cut from the Texans as well. Ty is now with the Buccaneers practice squad. Okay, so he's back with the Bucks. Full circle, baby. Am <laughs> uh, I blinking anyone? Is, Bla- is uh, Carla Coughlin still with the Giants? Yes, he is. All right. And I think um, Devondre Campbell has some injuries with the Packers. Yeah. Oh, is he injured now? Because he was he was playing probably the best out of anyone on the Packers. Literally, yeah. Yeah, kind of a short term thing, but um, yeah, I don't think he's been playing the last game or two. But I think he's going to be questionable this week. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, former sa- uh, go for safety Eric Murray is also on the Texans with uh, Blake Cashman as well. Forgot about that. Um, former linebacker Damian Wilson is with the Carolina Panthers. Um, not much, mainly spot backup role. Um, I for- almost forgot this. He's on the Vikings. Asezi Otomiro is still with the Vikings. Um, hasn't been dressed for any game at all, but he is on the active 53-man roster. Um, also, Can we talk about Boye Mafe? Boye Mafe is starting for the C- Seattle Seahawks, who is actually surprisingly doing well at 5-3 and three on top of the NFC West. Uh, a fun fact from last weekend. Um, the, the, there was one game between two teams that were over 500. And, uh, one of those teams was the Seahawks, and the other one was the New York Giants. Yep. Exactly what we all expected when this season kicked off. Uh, a a showdown between the two of the top teams in the NFC, the Seahawks and the Giants. And I do want to mention, was one more guy I missed, or two more guys. Max Williams, former Gopher receiver tight end, is still with the Cardinals. Um, and then lastly, he's eating these days uh, on – receivers uh on on opposing offenses benjamin st juice is having a great time with uh the commies or the washington commanders as well so especially when they beat green bay and he wore the cheese head as i saw that on twitter oh i love the spice right there i love it but all right all right that's all i have you guys anything else any hot takes as well we'll take those Not this um, week. If we need a hot take, I'll take Tennessee over Georgia this week. Ooh. I like it. I like it. I'll They're, I believe, eight and a half point underdogs. Is it at Georgia or is it at Tennessee or is it in Tennessee? Couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but hang on, I'm gonna search that up quick. Versus Georgia. Anyone want to take Northwestern over OSU? No? Okay. <laughs> There's no world, sir. Not one. Uh, they're going to be playing in Sanford Stadium uh, in Georgia. I'll still take Tennessee over Georgia. 
I can see it. Because right now, uh, minus eight and a half favoring Georgia, but the over under is at sixty five and a half. So it's gonna be a high score. Tennessee is gonna put the ball up, and Georgia's gonna Georgia's gonna have to stop them. For sure. You sure you want to take that, Griff, as well? Northwestern t- taking down OSU? <laughs> nope. Just wanted to throw it out. It's, okay. it's even near Northwestern. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, all right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for watching or listening to today's podcast. Of uh, Myself and the guys will hop off for a night. We'll see you guys next week to recap uh, Nebraska and then preview, uh, in this case, our next game is. I'm not. I'm, I'm messing up already. Either Northwestern or Iowa. Northwestern. Northwestern, and then from there we'll have a couple more uh, weeks of the season left. From there, also Wyatt, have again have fun in Lincoln, have a safe flight, safe travels, and enjoy the game. And uh, everyone else, we'll see you guys again next time for the next episode of Opa Podcast. So again, I want your host Jason O along with. Griffin Most and Wyatt Oakers. And we'll see you guys next time. Have a good day. Oh. Oh.